Want to ring the bell? All right. Ding, ding. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies. As always, I am one of your hosts, Garrett. And I'm the other of your hosts, Carson. And we have another special guest. We're going on three special guests in a matter of a couple of months. I, I don't know what's gotten into us, but here we are. Uh, I am Killian. Guests. Garrett, <laughs> You're just so coming right out. Yeah. Already. Yeah. Gotta let people know. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta let people know. Okay, way to announce yourself. I, I respect that. If you if you couldn't get that from me talking over my own son, which never happens before, uh, yeah, the, the special guest today is, in fact, my son, Killian. Hey, he's yeah. got the green light to talk whenever he wants today. Yeah. <laughs> he wields man. total power. <laughs> All right, so what are we talking today, boys? We are talking the Northmen, right? Yep. The Northmen, but I feel like we need to kind of give a little deep dive into, into Killian and what type of movies he likes so people know where he's coming from. Here. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forget Carson likes to... He, he We didn't do that with Greg, but he put Dusty to the test. So I guess we got to... Yeah, we got to hear you out a little bit. Doing my job interview. <laughs> Basically. All right. Um, I guess for the most part, like, there's not many types of movies I don't like, but in specifically, I would say probably comic movies and... I watch a lot of horror movies. I don't know if I like a lot of them, but I end up watching a lot of them because that's just what me and my friends do sometimes. So I'd probably say comic movies and horror movies are the top two. What about your favorite actors? You got got any of them? Uh, I like I like Daniel Kaluuya a lot, and I like Lakeith Stanfield. I like those two. I like them in like uh, Get Out, even though Lakeith is like barely in that. But like that's where I first heard of them, and then uh. I like Chris Hemsworth a lot too. He's pretty funny. Those are Carson's going to recommend that you go watch Extraction because I know you haven't seen that one and you probably yeah. should. What you is should it? Up Extraction. Yeah, on on Netflix. All right. Um, yeah, I'll I mean, I, I would say from what I know of Kill, like his sweet spot is exactly what he just described. Would be basically Jordan Peele movies. Us, Get Out, Nope. Like that's the the intersection. Like that's not all he likes, but like that's. If if I'm looking for something that I think Killian might like, it is Jordan Peele movies. Yeah, I, I love everything about that style of movie. It's like the kind of like the like social commentary stuff. Actually, I like that too. I'd probably say like the social commentary horrors, and then just like social commentary movies in general. Actually, like those are I like the mix of those that he works together, and then just like the artsy stuff with it. Yeah, well, you you mentioned artsy, so this this must be right up your alley. That's yeah, one thing I, the, that's one thing the Northman has has in spades is uh, is artsy. Yeah, I wasn't really expecting it to be like that because I only saw the one trailer, like the base trailer. I didn't really want to see any more than that. I don't really like to watch a lot of trailers. So I feel like they give it away, but like there's definitely like a lot of artsy stuff in this that I didn't expect at all, but I like really loved in it. And not to uh, not to pick a fight. But I'm surprised, but, but, Car- but I'm, I'm going surprised. to anyway. <laughs> I'm surprised Carson did not take the opportunity to poke you and I at the same time for what you have listed as your favorite movies on Letterboxd. Oh, yeah, they're they're identical. 
And so I know all I'm getting is two rights today. So I'm going to get outvoted so on just about every comment here. I, I am going to let you d- defend yourself and, and me and thus our family's honor in this little section here, Killian. He thinks that I have influenced you to the point where I'm the reason that La La Land and Whiplash and Old Boy are the favorite movies you have listed there. The the only valid one there that you could have influenced me on is Old Boy because I watched Whiplash on my own completely unprovoked. Didn't even see anybody else's review. I watched Whiplash as like the first movie before like Letterbox and stuff. So that that's completely on my own. And the the whole La La Land thing, I I don't know. I just really like everything about that. But Old Boy, yes, because like. I'd never heard of it without you. So, so how, how okay, many times like, has La La Land? Hold on, hold on. How many times has La La Land been on in your household? That's what I want to know. I've watched it one time, two, two. You, I've only watched it two times myself. Uh, Garrett had it on repeat for like two months straight, so I doubt that you only only heard yeah. La La Land twice. But see, this is where you have to get the facts <laughs> straight. I was usually watching La La Land while they were at school, and I had it on while I was working. So I was watching it a lot, but not around them. Like nobody in my house really even knows much about La La Land. Like Jess has only seen it once and my daughter's only seen it once and Kill has only watched it once too. And then Old Boy, I I suggested it, but it wasn't like, oh man, like I'm cramming this down your throat. You're going to like this, whatever. It's just like, hey, I based on what you like with twists and kind of weird stuff, like Old Boy's a good one to go watch. And I left it at that. And you're talking about the original, not the, the Spike Lee joint. Now, I did weigh in and tell him that if, he watches the American version, he will be kicked out of the house. I did draw a line in the sand. Though. Oh, he didn't get to watch it. <laughs> I'm not letting it. Not, not that if you liked it, he doesn't even get to watch it. Watch it at a friend's. It's not allowed in this house. Well, I'm not even sure it, I want to. I don't want it to like taint my vision of the original one. Well, it's only it's only made it. your father like the original one more. That's so, true. So I don't think it'll taint the original one. No. Mm. But I saw them in opposite order. So I, I, I like the uh, the Josh Brolin version. Yeah, more no. or yeah, I, I more. would say more. I like it more. What? I saw, I saw it first. <laughs> you, you can't be a guest. You haven't seen them. You have to go watch the other one before you can. You I don't can think come there's a like way that. though. The old boy was like one of the greatest movies like ever. There's, there's no way, right? Like, no, he, he's not right. He's, <laughs> he's. It's arguably the most wrong he's ever been about a movie. Wow. Wow. Yes. Okay, so coming full circle, now that we got the, the Killian background out of the way and we're all on the same page, we talked a little bit about the artsiness, but uh, we're going to talk Northman. I'm going to give the little blurb like we normally do, and then we'll get going. Uh, Prince Amleth is on the verge of becoming a man when his father is brutally murdered by his uncle, who kidnaps the boy's mother. Two decades later, Amleth is now a Viking who's on a mission to save his mother, kill his uncle, and avenge his father. Directed by Robert Eggers, who did The Witch and The Lighthouse. And it stars Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Clace Bang, Ethan Hawke, Anya Taylor-Joy, Willem Dafoe. And I didn't write this down, but Carson would probably stop doing the podcast if I failed to mention that The Mountain from Game of Thrones is also in this. Briefly, yes. (laughs) Briefly, but he's there. He's there. He's there. And one thing I did learn... Uh, after viewing this, is that uh, Peter Sarsgaard is not related to Alexander Skarsgård. Nor Bill Skarsgård, right? Nor Bill, yes, because it's a completely different last name, apparently. Right. Which I I assume they were all brothers, (laughs) and Peter Sarsgaard has no relation (laughs) to the rest of the family. Right, but their dad 
is in all Stellan. the Marvel movies. Stellan Skarsgård. Yes. 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 Yeah. So you no, gotta, no relation to Peter. Which yeah, the which K- I, I didn't I didn't know until I was looking them up afterwards, and I was like, oh wow, uh, he's not he's not part of that crew. No, the K changes everything. It does. It's weird when you change a letter of someone's last name; they're they're no longer the same, and you get a whole different family tree. Because Peter Sarsgaard is married to Maggie Gyllenhaal, so that's yes. that's one Hollywood bloodline versus the the other one. Yeah, so I learned that in, in my research. So, you know, I've only been going how how many years now thinking that they were all related. So that's nope. good. No, nope. can't drop the K, man. <laughs> okay. So before before we dive in the deep, Killian, have you ever done an exit room? Yes, I did one four or five years ago for my friend's party, I think. You did one with us. I did? Yeah. At oh. at and where was it at? Huh? The exit huh? room in Lee Summit. You're welcome. It was. And that's who sponsors us today. So we're going to give a shout out to the Exit Room and Lee Summit. Hey, guys. As we all start to return to normal after two years of absolute craziness, I've got an idea for something a little different for you to do with your friends and family. Something that gets you out of the house, interacting with actual human beings, and back into the world. We're proud to introduce you to the Exit Room. Go check out this incredible escape room business located in historic downtown Lee Summit, Missouri. The Exit Room is a family-owned, five-star rated, one-of-a-kind escape room experience that has been entertaining the KC metro area for nearly seven years now. They have five uniquely designed escape room adventures guaranteed to challenge, amuse, and even amaze you. Gather your party and come check out their friendly staff, their amazing decor, and contagious energy as you solve puzzles riddles, and unravel mysteries. But hurry, the exit room is retiring two of their rooms very soon and replacing them with new adventures. Use promo code 2VIEWS at checkout for a 20% discount. That's the numeral 2 and the word VIEW, no spaces. The exit room. Unplug, interact, escape. All right, diving in. I'm going to let you guys take it from here. You guys, I'm assuming, saw it together, and I'm also assuming you have discussed it before this pod, so I'm going to let you take the lead on this. Uh, We did. We saw it Tuesday night at an advanced screening out at uh, AMC, and we didn't talk too much. We talked on the way home, but we kind of left at high level, but kills the guest, so we'll let him get first crack. Remember, we're spoiler-free for the first little bit. Yeah, Uh, I won't spoil anything, I guess. But um. I would I'd say like going into it, I wasn't expecting all that much, honestly. Like it looks good, but I think I got like way more than I was expecting, honestly. It turned from just I thought it would be kind of like how the last duel looked, where it was kind of just like super set back in time, but not in a way that the characters I don't know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is the characters ended up like resonating a lot more than I thought like old big brooding Viking family member would like the way that they set up everybody from main guy Hamleth is it Hamleth or Hamleth they all sound the same Hamleth Hamleth okay main I mean I wouldn't be surprised if that was a play on Hamlet I'm pretty sure it is because I think there's a lot of parallels yeah I'm pretty sure they're like big like circle thing of like that and then this movie but um yeah like the the journey that like Amlet took throughout the whole thing, it ended up being pretty cool. How I'm trying to say this out spoiling, I guess. 
Um, like <laughs> in the end, you were rooting for people, but nobody was really like in the good. And I guess I like that part of it. Yeah, I think that that was it added a layer to the characters and how dynamic they were because I think when you go through something like this you could get some pretty one-dimensional characters especially when you're in, you know, 895 AD, you know, there's there's some strings you need to pull character-wise and plot-wise and I think they did a good job of that. Um I, you know, touching on something you said kill that I think was pretty good is I think sometimes when you watch I don't know if we call this like a historical epic or or what exactly we call this, but period piece. Yeah, period piece for sure. Um, I I think what can tend to happen is that, and and I didn't see the last duel, so I'm not going to be able to speak to it directly, but I guess what I would pick apart from the trailer is that sometimes when you see movies like that, you don't necessarily feel fully transported or fully immersed in the fact that you are watching people that are really of that time frame, you're like you, you know, you're supposed to be there, so your mind is kind of along for the ride. But then sometimes you realize you're just watching Ben Affleck and Matt Damon dress up. Um, and I'm not saying that that's how the last duel was again because I didn't see that. But I think that's a, a vein that sometimes happens in those types of movies. But in this movie, whether it was the cinematography, the language the settings, the characters, uh, the runes that they're showing in the chapter titles, you know, it it felt like you were watching, I don't like an actual Viking. Like you felt you were in the middle of all that. So I, I, I felt like, I don't know if that's what you were trying to say, kill, but that was one of my takeaways was that it really felt like you were watching something truly in like 895 AD and not something trying to make you believe it's 895 AD. Yeah. Like if you ever, Obviously, it's been like forever ago because you guys are like super old. But like the history classes, when if you ever like touched on like the like before like civilization times of like Vikings and Ice Age stuff like that, and if you ever like hear about like the tales they had, I'm pretty sure they're called epics. Like this is what like exactly the visualization of it. If it was like brought to a modern day, like the even like the whole look of it all, like a lot of the shots of like the volcano and just like the town itself, it just looked like exactly like how i picture it in my head and i i really love that part of it yeah yeah so on paper this has absolutely everything that carson would love <laughs> you know you, you have vikings you have Skarsgård, you have the actors you have a revenge plot you have just dark and dirty and grimy and and perceivably very violent you know like that's that's what i was in the mood for uh i think about two days before i went to see it uh you let me know is the same director as the witch which i didn't know mm-hmm. i'm like okay i gotta adjust my my perception coming in um i was thinking it was going to be more action oriented and then now i'm like okay maybe it's gonna be more creepy you know and mm-hmm. so i was trying to and being is that the only thing that i've seen i haven't seen the lighthouse um, I know you all have, uh, but it was one of those that like, okay, I just need to manage my expectations. And what did I see in the trailer? I, I did see battles, but are they just picking and choosing uh, the fights to get me, <laughs> to get me in the seat? And I think that's kind of what they did. Uh, but it's, uh, it's definitely a more, um, uh, slow moving movie than I was anticipating. Um, uh, I don't think it has a lot of rewatchability for that standpoint. Uh, but I do, but I did enjoy 
being in it when I was watching it. And so there's, there's a little bit of that of, um, I felt like there would, there would be more of the revenge cleverness, uh, piece of, because they they talked about it and kind of foreshadowed there would be more to it. Um, you know, we can get into that in the spoilers, but I don't feel like there was enough to make it stand out. I felt like it was, it was almost a, a pretty generic, um, script uh from from that standpoint uh, this the script was pretty basic but i thought the visuals were amazing so that that's kind of where i'm dancing back and forth on how i feel about this movie i can see that i mean i I don't think anybody could argue that at its core the plot the story isn't anything we haven't seen a thousand times before so it's i think they set that aside and basically said okay Yes, this is a revenge movie, a king, his son, all that kind of stuff. Like we've seen this story a thousand times over, but how are we going to differentiate ourselves? We're going to do it with um, visuals. We're going to do it with violence. We're going to, you know, really put you in that Viking age feel and let the setting and the the grittiness and griminess and even some of the mythical elements. We're going to let that be kind of what separates us apart. And I think it, I think it does enough for me to do that. I think like if I'm comparing it to, uh, I'm going into uh, dangerous territory here, but if I'm going into Uh-oh. Braveheart and gladiator territory, right? I think the Northman does enough to set itself apart from those movies style wise and visually that it's its own unique thing. Even though in the, in the end, when you strip it all away, it is just a basic revenge plot. Yeah. I mean, I, d- I definitely think that, stylistically it sets itself apart i think it lacks on the the character development side compared to those other two movies i don't i don't think you really get a feel uh for any of the characters like i that like really nicole kidman was the only one that i felt um i felt her anger you know i felt her her passion um and and her her story uh, was interesting to me but the the rest of them uh, I I didn't really care about, uh, and that's it was like I I didn't feel his revenge, and and I want to get into more of that in the spoiler side, uh, of probably the whys behind it. Um, even his his lady friend, uh, I didn't really get much out of her or even their relationship. Uh, and may, maybe that was just me. Uh, maybe it was the writing. Uh, I don't know, but. I felt like that was very different than the other epics we've we've discussed before. Yeah, um I would I would agree that maybe you can't like like feel for them, like in specifically relation to stuff because obviously it's like a 980 Viking movie. I kind of hope you can't really relate to them, but I think part of what makes it good is instead of trying to make them relatable, like there's like plenty of movies where it's like the the main characters are living lives like nothing like how people today are like in dystopian movies and stuff like that but like Eggers did the way he did this it made it so the characters at least for me personally I was still like feeling the emotion that like uh Skarsgård was having in certain scenes maybe it was from like just the music and like the the score like set up to it because there was some specific scenes I can remember where it was like the music was definitely helping like super build to it and it just like created a bunch of tension but I would I would say that like some of the good parts of it was that like the characters were so simple but it was just like 
simple was executed perfectly. It's kind of, it's kind of like seeing like a, I don't know, seeing like Kobe do a fadeaway every time. It's like the simplest move ever, but he still does it perfectly. So that that's like what it is. Like they didn't try to do too much, and I actually liked it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that Skarsgård's character Amleth was supposed to be overly dynamic. I think they were painting him as a Terminator Viking dead set on one thing only his whole entire life. I mean, he basically says this right in the movie that he's lived his whole life with hatred and revenge. That's his sole focus. And I do think they try to add a layer to it with his relationship with, I don't know her character's name, but Anya Taylor joy, um, you know, does that resonate as much as some other relationships in these types of movies do? No. And I, I don't think they really wanted it to. I think they really just wanted it to add a layer to him to start to have a little bit of conflict in him or a little bit of dynamic dynamic. What am I trying to look for? Some, some complexity or to be a little bit more dynamic, but I, I think they still wanted his, cause they toyed with it, right? They, they toy with the idea of him becoming a little bit more than what he is only to like snatch it back away from you and be like, no, he's, he's still the Terminator. He's still just fueled by rage and hate. So, um, and when you really only have, I mean, the bulk of the movie is just him. You you get a little bit of Anya Taylor-Joy. You get a little bit of Nicole Kidman. You get a little bit of the uncle and the tad bit of Ethan Hawke. But I can get why you feel that way because he is the centerpiece of the movie and he is basically blind rage and hate. Yeah, I think part of that also helps like transform you into the, the Viking setting that they're in because obviously there's no way for us to know because we didn't live back then, but me personally thinking if i'm thinking about like viking cities and people like i'm not really thinking of them as these like super like complexual thinking characters who are like have multiple things going on and they're like that it seems like to me when i think of vikings they're all just like living just kind of existing like not really doing anything (laughs) just like just fueled by like okay let's just like that today we have to go like feed the cows or whatever and that's like all they would do like the whole day so like him like having his rage like the whole time like that that makes sense to me he just has this one thing that he likes to do and then like the willem dafoe being the jester dude or whatever i don't even know what he was honestly but him just serving his one purpose like that's kind of how i pictured viking town so i guess the part of people not really having multiple traits that kind of made sense to me well, you, I mean, you still have the, the relationships between one another uh, and how they feel and how things make you feel. And I thought that they were on a really good path uh, towards the beginning of just showing his rage. Uh, but I felt like when he when he did get back to the village, um, his whole attitude and and persona changed for the middle of the movie uh, before he and it didn't seem like he was that type of character or that um, Count of Monte Cristo type character uh, at first or what they were going with. And and I think that's probably what threw me off is they tried to make him um, plotting, you know, versus just take my axe and, you know, put it through your skull type type of thing. Yeah, but I, I will add there's... That's ignoring a layer of like the mysticism that came into it, right? There was a reason why he was delaying, and that it ties into the mythical things that were going on into that 
into that movie. Like there's a lot of, this is not my time. This is not the way it's supposed to happen. This is not the way it was foretold. You need this to do this. Like that was some of the reason for like the change in character or the pause that was happening right there. So you mentioned that, that part. Um, now I, I believe I have a, a working knowledge of Norse mythology of Valkyrie <laughs> and, you know, Valhalla and, and, and those types of things. I, I began to wonder if somebody who didn't have that background was watching this, you know, would they be lost about what's going on? And that's not necessarily the movie's fault, but, but I was wondering, like, would they be missing out on like, what the heck is going on here if you don't know about these elements already? I think that's probably pretty true. And I, th- and especially considering that those moments of mysticism tended to be the artsiest parts of the movie. Right. So you're kind of doubling down in those mm-hmm. moments where you're like, we're going to layer in some mythology and we're going to do it in the artsiest way possible. So if somebody is not inclined to like, you know, whatever we want to call it, artsy art house cinema whatever you want to say to sound pretentious like there are pretentious moments in this movie if that's what you want to say but then you're you're doubling down and as the audience person if you're like well i don't really like what they're doing here it's like detached from reality and then it's also detached from reality because you're you know norse gods Mm -hmm. and whatever you want to talk about yeah there's going to be some people there that are a hundred percent lost and or turned off by it yeah and you know what they what they did which i enjoyed is anytime they did bring in um those we'll call them fantasy elements they backtracked to where they could all be they should they could all be in his mind mm-hmm. you know and so every everything that um that happened with the valkyries with uh other characters they they showed quickly that hey that's not maybe really what happened right and that's that's maybe more of just in his head so in theory if you want if you wanted to recut the movie and take those pieces <laughs> out it would all still work yeah i mean i guess kill that's a good question for you though i i doubt you've dabbled too much in norse mythology outside of whatever thor. we've seen in loki and <laughs> thor um so i mean how do those pieces work for you you know the more fantastical parts um, well, do you mean like understanding wise or just like, just flat out that I like them? Well, a little bit of both, right? Cause I think you can visually like something and maybe even stitch together what's happening. But did you, you know, understand, you know, what, what was supposed to be happening in any of those scenes? Yeah, I, I could like pick up what was going on good enough. So I wasn't like completely lost. I, for some of it, I didn't understand like exactly why, but like I could understand and then through like the, I'm not going to like say exactly, but through like the one where he like looked through like the chest and it like went into that graphic thing. I kind I understood that part. And then like when it tied back to the thing, like Willem Dafoe said, like those parts made sense to me. And then like also visually, those scenes looked like super good. Like even though it was like all like CGI or whatever it's called, I don't really know the exact term for those types of graphics, but it it looked like amazing, I thought. Just like the the blue skies part, I don't know something about it. Yeah, they definitely did a good job with the visuals. I don't think anybody in their right mind can knock the effects or the cinematography or anything about this movie. Because I mean, the one thing we could all agree is whether you like the plot or the characters, whatever. I I feel like it should be pretty unanimous across the board that it looked great. Yeah, from like great, the volcanoes it, to the like the cities and the grasslands, like everything down to it, just 
look perfect for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's funny to say it's a it's a pretty movie when everything's dirty and you know <laughs> uh, when it, when it comes to grimy and dark, uh, but it is it's it's very pleasing to the eye for sure. So so Gillian, out of five, let's uh, before we dive into our uh, our our spoiler section, what did you give this? I gave it a four and a half. And four and a half. Yeah, tied for a movie of the year for me. Wow, what's uh, what's it tied with? Batman, obviously. Batman kind of has to be. Nothing else is really close that I've seen yet. Yeah. Wow. So you haven't seen Uncharted? That's what you're saying. Uh, oh, actually, he has seen Doctor Michael I, Morbius. I think, yeah, I think Morbius. Morbius sweep. Honestly, I think that's definitely Mor- movie of the year. Morbius is a five, and this is a four and a half. Okay, yeah. you're on record now. Yeah, the uh, the dancing in the mirror scene probably had to do it for me. I gave it the edge. So you're at a four and a half year. Yeah. How do you? Wow. At? High praise. So I'm a little bit lower, um, and I think part of that it was my expectations. Of uh, I'm I'm at a three and a half. Uh, I, I did enjoy it. The rewatchability uh, it does come into my ratings of what I want to turn this on and watch it again. And really, not anytime soon. It's kind of how I I felt about this. I felt like it was rather. I don't even know the runtime, but it felt long. Um, it uh, and maybe that was the the slow portions of this movie that i feel could have been done otherwise but uh uh, i did enjoy it i did enjoy my time there but uh it's not one that uh, i'd queue up again anytime soon so that's what hurt hurt my rating but still above average movie Uh, i would recommend people to to go and and see it themselves yeah i agree with the rewatchability thing the only reason like i didn't knock it for is because personally me the only times I rewatch movies is honestly if I was falling asleep during the movie and forgot what happened or if I liked it so much that I'm going to see it in the theater like a week or two later. But other than that, I don't really rewatch movies that much, so I just don't really count it in the grade. But yeah, it, it's not really rewatchable, honestly. There's, I would probably get bored and get on my phone for some of it after already knowing what's going to happen. Can't lie. Wait, wait until you get to about 40. You might start rewatching some movies every now and then. <laughs> Um, okay. So I, I will say with yours, Carson, I, I genuinely was curious where you're going to be at because I, I didn't, it wasn't so artsy and so slow that I thought you would go anywhere below a three, but it has some very Carson things in it that I was like, Carson could be at a four and a half on this. I, I genuinely did not know on this one. And it really just was going to come down in my mind for you as to how much some of that just canceled out other pieces or how much the scale went one way or the other. Cause I think, I think the runtime was technically like two hours and 15 minutes, but I, it was slow, but to me, not in a unintentionally slow way, if that makes sense. I, I think it was deliberately trying to pace itself and it was slow at times. Um, but it's also hard for me to say, like, could it have cut 10, 15 minutes? I don't know. I think it told what it wanted to pretty well. And maybe there's some shaving here and there you could do. But I get it. It's it's a definitely a purposefully paced movie. I am at a four, so I'm right in between the two of you. Um, if I had to, you know, be forced one way or the other into a three and a half or a four and a half, I would probably lean towards a four and a half. Although I do agree, Carson, the rewatchability is is low for sure. I, I don't see myself. 
I, I don't know what the driving need or emotion would be to want to watch this again other than X years down the road. I'm like, was that really as good as I remember? Let's check that one out again. Now, what I will say that I did genuinely like about this after having exited the movie is that having seen The Witch, having seen The Lighthouse, having seen some other pretentious movies, I, I say that and I, I know that's a very negative thing to say the way I'm saying it, but to me that can go both ways. An artsy movie can still be good. An artsy movie can be horribly bad. But, um, you know, when I think about that, I also tend to think that artsy movies tend to be less digestible. And this one to me seemed to strike a really good balance between that art house kind of feel without being not digestible for normal people. Um, you know, midsummer Carson is something that you and I saw that had a very artsy horror feel instead of an artsy historical epic. And I think, it is very hard for me to recommend Midsummer to most everybody. Now, with but the Northman, I, I would rather watch Midsummer again than the Northman. Oh, really? See, I would rather I, I if I was trying to hunt for clues and try to piece back together stuff, I would probably go with Midsummer. But if I'm going for something that I feel like I liked and really enjoyed, I would definitely go Northman again. Now, I feel like if I'm recommending movies to just randos, you know, people that are like, hey, you know, you run a movie podcast. What did you think about this? My only concern with The Northman would be how well can you handle violence? Outside of that, I'm, I'm okay recommending it to you otherwise. With Midsummer, it's like, I got to think about do you like, no. you know, violence and do you like being just really unsettled? And do you like when people talk about how your feelings rattle in your teeth and all that stuff? Like, that's the weirdness you get from Midsummer. So, my point in all that was just that this is like a pretty good blend for me of art house and mainstream. And I, it's in that I can still recommend to people's space. And you know, uh, you mentioned Braveheart earlier. I don't think this is any more violent than Braveheart. Um, and Maybe. actually I, I kind of expected it to be the Northman to be over the top. I thought, they were going to get real gross with some of the the death scenes and whatnot. The only time is is one scene that I'll, that'll bring up here here in a minute. Uh, and then I thought, okay, they're they're now going to start start going for it, and and they did kind of two two pieces of it, but then they, they pulled back, and it was kind of uh, tame from that side. So it, even during the fights and the raids and and things like that, they weren't overly overly graphic. They were just really two two pieces of it that and they only flashed them like that they weren't they weren't quick quick yeah. scenes but i thought the almost the entire movie was going to be you know kind of over gore and that's kind of what i was concerned that my wife she hates you know that that type of stuff that it was going to go that route mm -hmm. but uh i didn't think it was overly violent maybe i'm desensitized but <laughs> i think you and i are pretty desensitized <laughs> uh, on screen violence yes yeah but there's uh but braveheart i i feel like is it was more brutal uh you're cutting people's legs off and you're showing blood splatter you know hitting a guy with the head with the mace and blood coming 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 out there um th that type of thing I, th I thought those scenes were, were far more more violent than say than, than this when they were fighting but yeah I mean, it could be. I, I think that this one's a little bit more gritty and feels more real, whereas Braveheart, maybe it's because it was just made in a different time. It just feels like, 
Uh, it's hard to describe. Like when I watch like Robin Hood and Braveheart, it doesn't feel like I'm in Sherwood Forest or back with William Wallace. Whereas this felt like I was in with the Vikings. You know what I'm saying? Like Robin, Robin Hood is a completely different movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brian that. Adams singing during the Northmen. <laughs> uh, I, I will say before we get to the spoilers here, uh, Ralph Ineson, I feel like should be in every movie. Um, and I didn't even recognize him on the, on the boat. Uh, mm-hmm. and as it, cause he cut his hair in a really weird way and they didn't give him any lines and they gave him like two lines, which you could hardly hear, but his voice is probably my favorite in Hollywood. And I would have him narrate absolutely <laughs> everything. He's the, he's the father and the witch. Yeah. And, and I, I was waiting for him and there was plenty of people in here as a Viking that he could have been throughout the throughout the movie and i was kind of disappointed that i didn't see him in there because i just love his raspy deep creepy voice and i would put him in, in every movie it's funny because when i see him so do you remember todd packer from the office yes you know dave keckner plays him in the british office the guy you're talking about plays the todd packer role so really? that was my first exposure to him ever. And so it's it's hard for me to take him seriously, even though he's got that really creepy voice. I always think of the British office when I see that. Well, that's a very different yes. impression. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. We ready for spoilers? Yep. Yeah. All right. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. All right, Carson, sound like you were chomping at the bit to get something out there in spoilers. Oh, I mean, there, there's just a lot. Obviously, the uh, we were I was talking about the violent scenes. The, the first scene that uh, I wanted to mention where I thought this is really going to get going is the uh, the body parts of forming a centaur, you know, on the side of the, the hut. You know, the body parts are nailed up. And I'm like, okay, I thought this was going to get weird, and it just now did. And then... Uh, you had one other scene right after that where uh, a guy looked like he was uh, cut open, but not really. More like mm-hmm. a he was cut yeah. and hanging. Um, and I, so I, I thought that was the start of all of these things were were going to get gross and next level. Um, and and they, they really didn't. Um, but but my my piece was, I guess I wanted that stuff to happen sooner. Because uh, I felt like him being a slave uh, and just him biding his time didn't fit this ravenous wolf character that they had built up earlier in the movie. And then they then they had him, you know, pretend to be a slave and, you know, working his way into the family. And it it it, it seemed uncharacteristic of a Viking uh, that was just on a murderous rage. I want to kill this man and kill everybody around and take my kingdom back. Uh, I don't know that, that pulled me out. And then when he started actually enacting his revenge, that was like, okay, now, now we're going again. Uh, I would say kind of surprised you in the first, like, Oh my God, this is going to be extremely violent scene is probably when he ate that guy's face off and then like <laughs> burned down a village of kids. That was probably yeah. the first one. Yeah. Is that, is that well, they, they, they didn't, they didn't show him. You know, biting the guy's face off. Well, no, he hey. he tore the guy's neck like a dog is what he did. Yeah, but they didn't show it. That's what I'm saying. He I wasn't mean, like eating that guy. That's what no, I he was, was. No, it was. I, I think this is my take. 
was that he was a wolf, and the way a wolf was going to kill a man is to bite its neck and let yeah. it bleed out. And I thought that's what he was doing. Yeah, yeah I, they didn't. They didn't show that though. That's what I I'm mean, saying. They that, showed it. They showed his him covering, and then they showed him pull up. They didn't show the guy's neck that got ripped out. Yeah, and I, mean, I thought this had been this there. kind of. Well, no, I'm just saying, if, if you show it or you don't, there's there's an implied, and there's a, oh my gosh, they just showed this guy's neck getting torn off. It's very different sure. feel. I mean, that's, that's one scene. We got arrows and necks. We got swords slowly through a face. You know, we we got intestines hanging out. We got him beaten to a bloody pulp hanging. Like, it was, it was a pretty visceral yeah. movie. Okay, can I... Sidebar, you mentioned the intestines hanging out. There's been a few movies that that do that, and that always never lands with me. It always looks so incredibly fake when they have and they're hold like holding their. I'm sure that's probably what it looks like if you got (laughs) what what was cut off. But it always looks terrible to me, and it's mostly in horror movies when when they do that. I thought this one looked good. Like I didn't. I mean, it looked like he's just holding intestines, and I get that there's supposed to be his intestines. (laughs) I know, but it's like like he just carried them in. I don't know. It it always looks dramatic effect. You know, it always looks fake and like eh, you know, to me, especially when you're walking in with them. So okay, that's a little sidebar. You 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 could go back to the normal discussion, but that 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 just always gets me when the intestine thing. it, It never looks real, even though I've never seen it happen. You know, I'm sure somebody's done their research and hey yes that's what it looks like <laughs> when you cut your intestines open but sure it just yeah i mean so a couple of thoughts here one i thought the violence was pretty visceral um now are we desensitized yes um i <laughs> i'm struggling to figure out your barometer on violence because we'll see a movie like batman you're like i want it to be more bloody and then we see a movie like this and there is a fair amount of blood you're like oh, i want on. it to be more bloody i'm like what are you wanting to see from well, a violent on. movie I wanted Batman to be more violent because I wanted it to set itself apart from other Batman movies. Well, right, but the, so that, the takeaway there is that it, you wanted it to be more violent. I did want it to be more violent. Okay, and yes. now we're at the Northman, and there is a the lot North of violence, and you're saying you want more violence. So I'm trying to figure out well, what is the right threshold of violence. And to your point about being desensitized, I think this is proving that point. That no, okay. So the, the Northman is a Viking that's out for revenge, and basically the movie's about killing in Viking times with blunt objects and swords and axes and whatnot. I expect violence. And when you come from the guy from that directed The Witch, creepy weird you know he headbutted a guy's stuff. face in right yeah he did but they didn't show the guy's <laughs> face caved in <laughs> they didn't show the guy's I, I, i'm just saying i'm just saying there's it's, it's like you know you're spraying bullets and you show guys fall down but you don't show the blood you know splurting out there's a difference in violence yes that's a violent act but there's a difference in showing the guy's face caved in. That well, he's I know, but then when we head. show intestines hanging out, you're like, oh, it's intestines. That, I'm just, I that, like that's <laughs> a general just sidebar. I I pulled that to the side of it. That always looks dumb. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's wearing chainmail, and it's weird. I, I so basically, a, you want like you want like saw, but in every scene that has any sort of violence in it, you just want like no, everything. Saw's, saw's torture. You know, I want. And that's if, pretty if I, graphic. I, it pretty much shows everything there is. That's what. That's what I mean yeah. by it. Well, but that's a that's a different type. I'm talking uh, you know, Saving Private Ryan. So they actually showed people get blown apart. Like that's violent. That's a violent movie. And the guy's arm gets blown off, and they show it. Not just a grenade goes off, and you assume those guys blew up. 
you but know. that's not what happens in Northmen. Like they don't they're they're showing plenty of violence here. Yeah, there's I just expected for again from this type of movie and the darkness of it and and what I was going into it of how dirty and and gritty that this movie I thought was going to be that it would have been more violent. Mm. That was my thought. Okay. Okay, so then back to your other point of the delay. Um, so I, I had a couple of thoughts around like why he bides his time. I mean, I think one is he's trying to figure out how to get his mother out of there as well. But then two, you have the thing where he's starting to clearly have some feelings for Anya Taylor-Joy. So now he's got two people that he needs to try and protect in this thing. And he's one versus what? Where If we're estimating... 30 when you count the slaves and you count everybody there. So like it's Viking time. I mean, he can't necessarily go John wick on everybody. That wouldn't have been overly realistic. And then three, that's where you get the mysticism part, right? Like he it's foretold that he is going to kill this guy in a lake of fire and that he has to use um, the night blade to do that. So then he has to go get the night blade first and then all that kind of stuff. So to me, there are reasons why he just doesn't walk straight into the village and, and kill everybody and then take him away. And I mean, you could say that maybe those reasons are forced and you know, whatever, but I mean, the movie does give reasons why he's not just walking in there like the Terminator. Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, and the, but I feel like there was a lot of time between, um, I knew he couldn't kill his uncle until he was fighting on a lake of fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he, he mentions that and that's why he's waiting, but his whole revenge plot of making it, making this uh, area hell. And then she said, you can use my cunning, which I don't feel like that used that was ever used. Um, the mushrooms. Maybe, maybe you can say the, mu- that's, that's, that was her whole contribution. I felt like they could have used her, her more. And as far as they're plotting to make, I mean, it wiped hell. out all the soldiers. They all killed sure. themselves. Yeah. Sure. When, one thing again, I just thought that that they would have. They sound like he was going to be the brute force. She was going to be the the brains when they were talking about it coming over on the boat. Um, I thought that that was uh, going to be a cool little dynamic of we can do this, but it really didn't play out that way. And I felt like there was a long, and maybe that's it's just me and and runtime. It's not, but I felt like there was a long time before he actually started his revenge versus when he got there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. But he had to go on his hero's journey. He had to go get the night blade and he had to go do all that stuff to sort out when it was going to happen. I mean, once he got the night blade, we didn't take too much longer, right? Because then we cut that sweet chapter title, the night blade feeds, which is arguably one of the coolest chapter titles I've ever seen in a movie. (laughs) Should be like a metal album name, the night blade feeds. So I did like the way he got the night blade. So he goes down and, and I don't know how he found it or how he was directed there, but it goes down, takes the sword, fights the, the living dead, uh, if you will. Um, and then it goes to show, Hey, maybe this was all in his head, you know? And so that, that you're like, okay, is this some sort of ghost story now? And like, we're, we're going a little bit weird with, with our storyline, but then they bring you back to reality and say, if you like that, that happened that way. But if you don't, that was just kind of all on his head, and he just took the sword from this this uh, corpse. Yep. Yeah. Just like a, like a pick-and-choose-your-adventure book, I guess. Just do whatever you want with the information. I guess you can like it. Basically, it seemed like they were just trying to make it seem like you had to like it somehow. You had no choice but to like this thing. 
<laughs> I mean, who's going to argue with seeing, you know, somebody fight for a Nightblade against an undead, you know, seven-foot skeleton? I mean, and then if you didn't like it, like Carson said, all right, fine. Maybe it did or didn't happen. Move on now. Have fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was just, it's not real. It's not real. But we yeah. had that scene and it was cool. So, yeah. Well, it's kind of the same with the the Valkyrie scene, right? Like, I mean, I guess that one's a little bit more spot on that, that it's a hallucination, right? Because it was yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy saving him and he was just hallucinating that it was a Valkyrie doing that. Yeah, I thought he was dying going to Valhalla. Yeah. Yeah, um, okay, so one of the things I, I had really, probably my only main thing to talk about in the spoiler section is probably the most pivotal moment in the movie, which is the reveal that Nicole Kidman isn't the mother figure that he thought she was. Right. And we've seen that before too, right? Like you're going to save the mother and then you find out that she actually hated the father and was in line with the uncle all along. And his perception of his father is not accurate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I wasn't expecting it. I don't know why, but um, I'm glad they did it the way that they did because it would have felt too, clean and cute in a movie like this for it to have been, Oh, thank you. I'm saved now. Let's run away together. And, you know, we'll go retake the kingdom. I like that they had the, you know, um, I like that they had the ability to go out there and say, she's not who he thought she was. His father's not who he thought he was. His uncle, like basically his whole world could have just come down right there. And then he's, he's clearly shaken by it. But in the end, just reverts to his old ways and is entirely filled with rage and ends up taking their lives anyway. Yeah, like like a like an evolution he went through is like rage, thinking man, and then just like straight back to the rage at the end. Just something. I, I guess throughout throughout you could like now that you know the reveal, it kind of makes sense that like his mom was like that because like throughout you'd be like, okay, it's Viking time. Usually, even stuff in, like, medieval time that I've, like, read about, like, if the king gets overthrown, the queen is just, like, executed or she, like, kills herself or something. So, you could kind of think throughout, it's like, okay, well, why is she, like, still alive and had, like, two more children with him? Like, what is going on? But I I thought that twist was actually really good. It was one of the better twists in, like, recent movies I've seen, I thought. And I don't know if you guys felt like this at all, but... I re- I don't know how I lost track of it, but I felt like the interactions between Ethan Hawke, Nicole Kidman, and the uncle in the very beginning, when they first come back from battle, there was something there that I thought was a little off. And I remember thinking, like, what's this weird relationship? Does the brother hate the brother? And, and does Nicole Kidman like the brother or hate the brother too? There was some... I'd love to rewatch that scene again to see what I picked up on there. But in the end, I ended up totally forgetting about it come the end of the movie to, to try and piece it all back together. But I felt like there was a vibe there that I picked up on. I mean, it definitely felt like there was like tension between the two brothers. Obviously I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but there was like one line in specific, I think when it ended in like kind of an awkward pause and they were both just kind of looking at each other. Like, are you serious right now? Or <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I forgot exactly what he said, but yeah, like that scene in specific, and then whenever Skarsgård, Alexander, right, right guy, yeah. In the beginning, sorry, actually not the right guy. His little boy character, little boy version of Skarsgård. In the beginning, when he went to go, like, run up and see his dad, mom mom didn't look, like, excited, like, at all. And so 
that part was kind of weird and you're like okay well what's going on now so yeah like those two parts of that scene in particular i'd say kind of gave like the weird tension you're talking about yeah when he met uh nicole kidman in, in the hut uh before her her reveal i thought they were going to go the route of gosh i've been living with this guy as my husband for 10 plus years you know we have a kid together you know this is my life now you know let it go type of conversation versus uh i tried to kill you <laughs> conversation yeah. which because so i i thought they were going to kind of give him of the mom is was still captive she was still you know not captive but she's adjusted to this life i'm 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 still a queen you know I, i'm just here and this, this is my life and so don't screw it up son and giving him kind of that uh you kill him i, I have no place you know um like you said, they're they're usually put out to pasture if the king's gone. Um, but that's uh, I thought they were gonna kind of give him that moral talking to of mom doesn't want you to to change yeah. her world because he had already talked about his brother and trying to protect his brother um, and her half brother and that. And so I thought they were gonna go that route, and then they they went full on. No, I had your had your father killed, and I tried to kill you too. I'm like mm-hmm. oh. Yeah. Okay, you know, so we're just going to go give him reason. Like, yeah, you're all going to die. <laughs> you know, something else small that they did that I liked was that they they basically quickly took the uncle out of power. You know, like they said his his reign lasted, I don't even know what they said, it was some crazy short amount of time. Like he basically killed Ethan Hawke and then lost the throne immediately. So yeah. I thought that that was good because, again, sort of the more fairy tale-ish version of all of this is that damsel in distress he goes back takes his throne he still rules over all the people and this wasn't it this was just like i don't care where this guy's farming sheep on the you know on the lands or whether he's a king i'm going to get my revenge and he's gonna die yeah and that was almost kind of like a throwaway line between two mm-hmm. off characters of oh yeah and i'm like okay they're talking about his his uncle uh and how did he lose it you know i was trying to yeah. trying to remember where they kind of breezed by it so quickly that it's like okay he he lost the kingdom uh yeah he said now now he's a farmer uh and then they kept his rabble kept calling him king like he was still somebody important but only to that small little group like they all got run out yeah, uh, yeah. But, but no but nowhere near their their kingdom which is kind of funny oh he killed his brother for nothing and i was like okay <laughs> right <laughs> you know yeah. yeah all right so i think the last thing i i, I think if we ended a podcast about the Northmen and didn't talk about this, I think that would we'd probably have to stop doing a podcast. But um, the the battle by the Lake of Fire. I mean, I don't know if yeah. it gets more Viking than a naked sword and shield fight <laughs> by a lava bed. I mean, I know we've kind of seen a lava fight with Star Wars, but I mean, to see it in like <laughs> Viking lore was pretty yeah, nuts, I thought. It, it was like a, like a coked out version of like, Anakin and Obi-Wan crossed with like Simba and Scar from Lion King, but like with <laughs> naked Vikings. And it was just like absurd the whole time, basically. And they, yeah. they were showing stuff in that one too. Like they were showing like the swords pierced through, right? I remember. Yeah, but it was pretty dark. What, like, yeah. Scar's guard like, got hit really bad at one point, And you could tell he got hit really bad because of his reaction. But I had troubles telling like, did you just get sliced in the midsection or did you just get tapped on your shoulder? Like what happened here? Well, no, because oh, then, like then they showed, like, his arm was, like, dangling, basically. It was, like, his arm was, like, halfway cut off. Was it? I couldn't. I don't yeah. know. Maybe I was just struggling. It was, okay. like, right above the bicep. They had, he had a, a nice uh, 
incision there uh, where he got hacked with a sword, but it didn't affect his his next strikes, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it was just one of those, like, okay, obviously, I, I was like, I feel like they're both going to die here, you know, somehow, you know. But he's not going to use that arm anymore because it, it it was a deep cut. Yeah. Um, but uh, I liked the the stabbing and lopping off the head at the same time. Yeah, I, I dig that. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a great end. I mean, it, that's clearly one of those that by the time you get to that scene in the movie, if you've seen enough movies, you've got to be thinking neither of these guys can walk away. Like it just I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. The uncle walking away would have fit in this movie. But uh Amleth walking away would not have made any sense whatsoever. Like at this point, you're just like you've pushed all your chips in on how dark and bleak and whatever this is to have him go back, find Anya Taylor-Joy, have his kids somehow get the throne. You know, all that cascading yeah. effect, like that that cannot happen in a movie like this. And I'm yeah. glad that they ended it the way that they did. Did, did you think the volcano was going to get them before they killed each other? I didn't. No. I was really hoping. Or at least take him out after he killed him? No, and I didn't uh, want it to be something like that, where it's like, oh, you swung at me and I dodged it and then pushed you with my shield into the lava. You know, something like that. Like, this needed to end with a head chop and a simultaneous stab. Like, that was that was the right way to end it. I, I did wonder, you know, it's like, okay, could he, like, be just that into I don't care what happens to me where he just grabs him and then both jump into the lava the type of thing? I would have been, <laughs> put it this way, I would have been okay with, like, Amleth like taking a hit and like stepping into the lava and then now his foot is like a stump and he somehow still wins, like taking some damage from the lava, but I wouldn't have wanted the lava to be like the great equalizer or the finisher move. Right. Like that's not, yeah. I, I need to see a, I need to see something. It, didn't it say anyways, like he has to kill them with the night blade. I mean, yes, right? that was the, yeah. the prophecy, right? It was yeah. like the, the night yeah. blade was the weapon. Yeah. 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 I, I did think that it'd be very hot on their feet. <laughs> For sure. As they were as they were fighting, yeah, they just like, like do they not care that their feet are burning right now. <laughs> yeah, at one point, Amos just like kind of like hops over a little the whole fight. <laughs> that would really ruin the movie. Do you, you want to fight down there in the grass? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can we move up here just a bit? <laughs> no, I, I I did enjoy the end, but again, I I felt uh, it it took a long time to get there. Uh, so I don't think if I just watched that scene, it's a really cool scene. Um, but uh, I kind of knew there wasn't there wasn't any suspense for me. It was just more of a hey, let's do something cool here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to see a YouTube video with that scene to like some really you know death black metal soundtrack because that's what it feels like, right? Like it just feels like there needs to be some heavy metal <laughs> thrash music going on during that scene, like Cole the Conqueror with I, Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> Stop. Every every fight scene it just starts. Guitar whales. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Kill? I thought the the scene right before the journey up into the volcano one, when Skarsgård like killed his mom and his little half brother, and then what's his face? The uncle just like walked in and just like looked at him. I thought that was like really good because at first was like is, is I was like kind of left on the edge. Like is he about to just like go insane and just try and like beat him with his bare hands? They're just gonna have like a fist fight to the death and then like obviously it was like no like once he started picking up the bodies but just like him just like picking up the bodies and walking away and just staring him down that was like i was kind of just like left in awe i guess but, like jesus like what is going on it, <laughs> it felt like a very like ritualistic thing to do right it, yeah i don't know if that's yeah. how anything worked back then but 
it's an acknowledgement to me of like, you killed my wife and son. I need my 12 hours to go bury them. Meet me here. And it's going down, yeah. right? It's kind of like yeah. when, I know this is not the same, but like Revolutionary War where people just lined up across from each other and shot at each other. They're like, why was that ever a thing? Why did we all agree to this? It's kind of like, what is this happening here in the Vikings? Like, I guess you get your bereavement period and then we'll meet over here and duke it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know what like I mean? a prophecy, I guess, is what I what I think they're sure. taking from it. He's like, all right, prophecy's already got us this far. I'm going like, to follow it now. Something yeah. like that. We're going to start a duel. We'll, we'll meet at high noon, you know, over here on the street. All yeah. right. I, I want to fight and kill you right now. Nah, we'll, we'll meet at noon tomorrow. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> the only way that scene could have been better is if he slapped him with a glove and then walked out. That is yeah. what would have made it better. I mean, Skarsgård was stabbed about eight times in the back, you know, by by his brother right yeah. before that. Yeah. So I'm sure he appreciated a little time to, to <laughs> yeah. gather himself before the fight. Well, and they, I mean, they really did lean into the prophecy, right? Because at the point... At the point when he was basically tortured and hung there, and he's just flat out says it, right? Ham- mm-hmm. Amulet says, you're not killing me today. And they don't let it happen, and the ravens come. It's, it, you, that was like the last straw to say, okay, this prophecy thing is legit. It's just not something that's being strung about in the story. Like, this is how it's going to go. So, okay, you, you mentioned him hanging out, which reminded me of him cutting out his son's heart. Mm-hmm. And so he had the heart, and he said, "Oh, you don't actually have the heart. That's just a dog's heart." Mm-hmm. Um, but then they sent him off for his Viking funeral anyway. You know, I thought that they would have waited until they somehow retrieved the heart before mm-hmm. sending him to Valhalla. And, you know, because that was part of their burial ritual ritual uh, to have all that. Uh, but they didn't wait for it, so that was kind of odd to me. Of unless wanting, it really was wanting his to heart. get the heart. Well, right, but he didn't kill Skarsgård because he's trying to find the heart True. and didn't have the heart. Yeah. And so something about about that didn't yeah. didn't work for me. Why would you continue on that while you're still trying to get the heart back? That makes um, sense. But one thing in that uh his funeral scene that he had is like you know the you know the girl that was singing, right? For whatever reason they had to I think she maybe she was a slave, I don't know. But she was singing like the whole time and then like this this like blow horn came in that they were using and then as soon as that started like she she stopped singing in like the very background you could just see her like get stabbed and i was like like it was just they had a couple scenes like that where somebody in the background had just gotten stabbed like so casually while something else was going on it was like this dude is just like well, helicoptering in front of you and then he got like stabbed and it was she, like she was, was stabbed the in the background because the sun was beating somebody's skull in in the foreground. So I think it was just their way of simultaneously showing the two sacrifices that were happening yeah. to try to get okay. rid of the you demon know, was, that was Amleth, right? Yeah, you know, he was cutting the the head off the horse. Oh yeah, is that what he was doing? I thought he was like yeah, because then the horse started neighing. It wasn't a horn. The horse started neighing like as her scream stopped. That's what it was. Okay, that was that was part of you know his wife gets buried with him. So they gave her something where it wouldn't hurt. Um, yeah. while she gets to go get burned with him yeah, uh, and cut the head off the horse and, and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, did you, uh, I wanted to ask you, Garrett, did you get very strong uh, Conan vibes from the intro? Um, From the, the voiceover and showing the volcano. And I kept went, listening for like, so you could say crumb, you know, but no, he's talking about Odin. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. I could see that. I mean, I, I, I love that opening, though. That was great. But, yeah, I can yeah. see where you got Conan vibes. And I was like, well, this is going to be 
basically, and I kind of knew the plot from the trailer already. I go, this is basically Conan, you know? Yeah. And so the, the whole, his, his family's killed. He's sent away as a slave. He comes back for, mm-hmm. for revenge. And obviously this is a little bit more intricate than, than Arnold, but <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, like, like we said in the very, very beginning of the podcast, this is a, a tale that's been done many a time just with its own Viking flair that makes it a little bit unique. All right, guys. I think an hour on the Northman. I think we're good. I think we're good. Yeah. All right. Um, that'll do it thank, then. I, I don't, thank you, Killen, yeah. for, for joining us today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a good time. I liked it. I think we have you slated for uh, the next Jordan Peele movie that comes out. Yeah, that's nope. this summer, right? Yep. Yeah. I have a lot more to say on that, honestly. Uh, yeah, I'm, are, looking, I'm looking forward to that one. Our, our whole family kind of, I don't know about daughter um but me and me and kill and, and my wife we, we dig the jordan peele movies for sure so yeah we'll, we'll get you back on for nope all right carson where can they find you on twitter at carson graff g-r-a-f-f you can find me at, at two views garrett g-a-r-r-e-t-t you can find the show on twitter facebook instagram at, at two views movies and you can always email us at two views movies at gmail.com don't forget to subscribe to the show via Apple, Google, Spotify, basically everywhere you listen. We are there. We will be back in May with Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, and I think Top Gun Maverick. That's May? May. Yes, the end of May. Oh, yep. It won't be uh, the same episode, but... No, no. That's, the, that's our, I, I know those are the two May. that we have lined up for May. Just, just a short four-hour episode on oh, both of those. Uh, yeah, no, I know. That it'll be interesting to see which one we go longer on, Doctor Strange or Top Gun, because I'm pretty sure I can go a, a solid eight hours on There's There's no like way we go longer on Top Gun than we do. I, I can. Doctor Strange is dealing with multiverse and different universes and all sorts of stuff, and then you're saying Top Gun is going to have I mean, more, more I, to talk about. I could probably just quote Top Gun for a solid... What's, oh, what's, what's, Top, gonna, Gun, what's Top Gun's runtime? What's Top Gun's runtime? The first one, an hour and a half? Do that, or bridge into Maverick, and then that, we got ourselves a three-hour podcast. <laughs> Screw the multiverse. I just want more Maverick. There you go. All right. We'll catch you next time. What should we do next? Something good? Something bad? Bit of both? Bit of both.